are all in charge of creating our own happiness and nobody can do it for us and nobody can take it away from us. And so we're all works in progress. I work on myself every day and it's, I'm my favorite project, you know? (laughs) Hey there, success buddy. Welcome to the Leaving Nowhere podcast with me, Candace Willie. I created this podcast for you. I've spent my entire life learning lessons the hard way. Through those experiences, I realized that all roads really do lead to success. Sometimes we just need better directions on how to get there. Join my guests and I in learning how Leaving Nowhere can help you get to exactly where you want to be. We'll share stories of success and the various methods we've used to help us get there. Let leaving nowhere be a compass in helping you achieve your greatest desires. So your journey to success starts here. Welcome to the Leaving Nowhere podcast. I am so looking forward to our interview today. If you're a regular listener, you know I often reference the wisdom that my mother shared with me. I also frequently share the wisdom I've gained from being a mother, if you can call it that. A gift of life skills is probably more applicable, but I truly hold that special experiences, those special experiences in my heart. So today's guest is very similar. Our guest is the author of I Am My Mother's Daughter, Wisdom on Life, Loss, and Love, and the creator of the popular blog, Crazy Perfect Life, Dara Kurtz. Dara has an incredible story. She shares her wisdom of surviving cancer, losing her mother at a young and critical time in her life, along with inspiring people through her courage to leave her 20-year career as a professional banker and financial advisor to focus on writing, speaking, and podcasting. So Dara, it is my pleasure to welcome you to our show. Oh, it's such a joy to be here. Thank you for having me. I am honored that you want to share your story and inspiring message with our listeners. So thank you so much for being here. There's also another part of Dara's story that I can't wait for her to share. And that is the letters she found after her mother passed. Such a beautiful and special gift that she left you. But before we go to the letters, let's first talk about the inspiration behind your books. Knowing your story, losing your mother just a few weeks before having your daughter was incredibly hard. Can you share how that experience impacted you? Yeah. So I found out the same weekend that I was pregnant with my first child that my mom had stage four cancer. And so really at the time I was 28, the bigger my belly got, the sicker and thinner my mom got. And a few weeks after I had Zoe, my first child, who was a few weeks early, my mom passed away. So I found myself in this space where I was completely joyful and happy, of course, about being a new mom and then absolutely devastated at having lost my mom. And truthfully, at the time, and this is over 21 years ago, people weren't talking about grief and loss like they are today. There weren't platforms available and I felt really alone. I didn't know how to navigate that. I didn't have the skills. And so After being on maternity leave, I went back to work as a financial advisor, poured myself into work, and just kind of got used to sort of sweeping the grief and sadness away. Of course, it followed me around always. I always felt the loss of my mom, always. 
as I was raising my kids and I eventually had another daughter, you know, we would go to birthday parties and other moms would be there with their kids and just every holiday and just everything, all the things. When my daughter first started to walk or when they, when I had questions, you know, it was just this parallel joy and sadness that really followed me around throughout my life until I found that bag of letters. And honestly, that's really what caused me and helped me work through a lot of the pain and the sadness to get to the other side. You and I had shared previously when we connected, losing your parent or losing a loved one, it's just so hard to put into words. And I think so many people say, I'm so sorry. And, And then there's this short blip of it's happening right then. And then all of a sudden life goes on and it hasn't gone on for you. And, you know, I kept telling myself, time heals everything, time heals everything, but it didn't. (laughs) So it's, you know, to your point, there were specific things that would occur that would remind me of my mom, or I mean, you just miss them. And it's such a unique thing that when you have them, it isn't that you don't appreciate them, because I certainly appreciated my mom. You just didn't recognize how many things you actually celebrate with them. Right. So, yeah. And, you know, I used to say, that saying time heals. For me, I felt like with time, I just got used to living with it. Yeah. I think for me, that's how I can describe it. It it didn't necessarily heal because it, it didn't necessarily go away, but I got used to what that felt like and how to live with that nagging loss. Yeah, that doesn't go away. I think about my dad who, my mom was his complete existence. And I mean, to this day, he still in the morning has coffee and listens to their songs and her shoes honestly are still in the shoe stand behind the door. You know, there's, we all deal with grief in, in just such a unique way and it's our own, you know, and I think that's the other piece is you can't, you can't push people through that emotion or that challenging time. But what you said is very profound and that is that you, you learn to live with it. So thank you for sharing that such a challenging time. I also appreciate how you've used your story of grief and hardship to help others work through their own. So that's really, truly a gift as well. You often say grief followed you around like a shadow. Can you say more about that? Yeah. So I feel like I just sort of got used to living with this layer of sadness and it was just always there. And as I raised my daughters, you know, I I felt like they deserved to have a happy mom. And I tried my best to be a happy mom. I dove into work. I, we were busy. We had a happy, successful life, if you will, but it was always there. And, and my husband was really, he's very understanding and patient. And he would understand like when whatever would happen that would trigger me, I would just start crying, you know, over the past 21 years, of course, you know, it can come out of nowhere. He never judged me. I mean, he was always very understanding and that really did help. My kids sort of got used to me talking about my mom and understood that she passed away and that she wasn't here and that it was really hard for me. Yeah. Yeah. My Rick had lost his parents prior to us getting married. And I think when I lost my mom, I I remember turning to him and saying, I'm sorry. And he's like, for what? And I'm like, I didn't understand. I I didn't understand how, how this makes you feel. And 
he used to be so apologetic on birthdays or holidays when he would reminisce. And it's now I'm like, I always ask him on holidays, how are you feeling? And you know, what, what's on your mind? And he's like, today is sad, you know, and, and we would talk about that. But prior to going through it myself, I just didn't understand. So it, it's great that you had that support in your husband because being able to talk about it is a lot. I really struggled with a way to bring my mom into our lives. I wanted my kids to know her, like not just know her by looking at the picture, but I wanted them to kind of get a glimpse into who she was. And so I really wanted to and intentionally tried to find a way to bring her into our daily lives besides just talking about her and sharing stories. And one thing my mom loved to do was to eat ice cream sundaes. And so Every year on the anniversary of her death and on her birthday, from when my kids were very, very young, we started having ice cream sundaes. Mm -hmm. And you know, that became a tradition. And let's be honest, what child doesn't want to eat an ice cream <laughs> sundae, you know? Right, right. But I mean, it became sort of a happy, joyful way for us to kind of bring her into our lives. And I always encourage people to look for ways to bring someone into your life. If they liked hiking, you know, go on a hike. If they like gardening, plant some flowers, you know, whatever. Find your ice cream sundae, yeah. whatever. Yeah. <laughs> Tradition and ritual are yeah. such a great way to honor those who have passed and to keep them alive with us. I, my mom was a insane Christmas person. And when I say insane, multiple <laughs> trees, she changed pictures. I think at one point in time in my life, we even had the toilet paper spinner that played like Christmas jingle. <laughs> so, oh my goodness. You were feeling the Christmas joy. <laughs> yeah. So Christmas for our family is is so centered to this day. Um, it's been five years since she's passed, but it's, you know, it it is filled of memories of all the funny things she did specific to Christmas, but all the happiness she brought to all of us around it as well. And holidays can be such a hard time anyway. Yeah, so true. So again, you know, just such a great testimonial around grief and how it can impact your life, both short term as well as long term. And again, I, I know you're, I'm sure you're similar. I think of my mom pretty much every day, if not multiple times Absolutely. during the day. Yeah. So yep. I want to say about tradition, what you, what you just said a second ago is that, you know, I feel like I'm here now in the present and, you know, my mom was part of the past. And my daughters are the future. Mm -hmm. But if I'm not intentional about taking some of what I learned from my mom and my grandmothers, and my grandmothers passed away af way after my mom. And so they were a very important part of my life as well. That if I'm not intentional about teaching my daughters about some of the traditions that I learned from my mom and my grandmothers and carrying that into the future, then it's not going to be carried forward. And so I, I encourage all your listeners to really think about their family traditions and where they fit in and, and how they want to carry that forward. And it can be really a beautiful way to honor the past and really carry it into the future. You mentioned when we started this conversation just about the resources that are available today around grieving. You hear a lot also about legacy today. And, and to me, that is their legacy. Those are the things that I think those individuals would have wanted to be remembered for. You know, Absolutely. I, so it, it's honoring them. It, it's bringing joy and, and celebrating them, if you will. So I, I couldn't agree more. 
Before we dive deeper into our topic today, I would remind you to visit our brand partner, Green Tea Hawaii's webpage and check out their new flavors. If you haven't tried this amazing product, you can save $15 off your first 60 count box by using the promotional code KL15. Go to greenteahawaii.com or call 866-960-1548. Look better, feel better, be better. Green Tea Hawaii. Let's talk about the other significant thing that has impacted your life and that is breast cancer. And, you know, you went through breast cancer seven years ago. How did that change your life and also your family's life? So at the time I was 42, my kids were 11 and 14 and, you know, we were busy living life and it really does happen. Like you hear one day you're fine. And then the next day you're not. And I found it relatively early. I had a lot of good things going for me, but I still wanted to be as aggressive as possible. And so I went through a lot. I went through surgery and chemo and radiation and more surgery. And I was, again, I was really lucky, but I didn't feel very lucky at the time. I, it brought up a lot. It triggered a lot from my mom's death, but I didn't know it. I didn't see it at that time. In fact, I really didn't see it until I sat down and wrote this book. And I really, for the first time, had an understanding of how incredibly difficult the experience was, but also because it brought up so much for my mom's Mm -hmm. death. But it was a devastating time for my family, especially for my kids, because I felt so sorry for them. I had a lot of guilt that they had to have a mom who was sick, that they had to watch me go through all of this, that you know, they went from two little girls who never expected bad things to happen to good people at that age to, you know, immediately overnight understanding that life is uncertain and anything can happen to anyone at any time. And that was a very, look, that's a hard thing for adults to mm-hmm. make, yep. but that was very anxiety provoking for them to come to terms with. And even now, seven years later, you know, every once in a while, like something will trigger them and I'll be able to tell that some of it's coming back. But, you know, I'm a big believer in counseling. And also, I feel like it definitely brought our family closer. I mean, we understand what's important in terms of like the value of our time together. And they're also very compassionate and able to help other friends when, let's face it, unfortunately, they have a lot of friends whose parents have gone through cancer since then. So. So you two said two things that really stood out to me. I think the first one being that some of that guilt that you felt had to come from the fact that you you experienced it yourself going it through with your mom. And I'm sure there's a, a piece of thinking, I'm inflicting that same emotion on my family. How do I help them? How do I protect them from that? How did you work through that piece with them? I think the, the the hardest challenge for me was that I kept remembering my mom's story and I knew how that story ended. Yeah. And I was terrified that something that that I, that I was going to die. I was so afraid that my daughters were not going to have me and they were only 11 and 14 and I knew because of the daily I knew I knew from a daily struggle how hard it is to live in the world without your mom. And then to think that 
something like that could happen to my daughters when they were so young. It was literally like the worst possible thing that could happen to my family in terms of like triggering all of it. And so I never want to say that I'm someone that sailed through all of that because I didn't. It was really hard on a daily basis. I mean, I was sick from the chemo and I was very nauseous and I was devastated because I didn't have my hair and, you know, blah, 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 all the things. Yeah. But I, I got to the end of all that and the doctor said, you know, okay, Dara, go back to living your life. You know, everything's fine. You know, we're going to monitor you. But, and I, I really was so lucky. Yeah. But, it took me a long time to trust it and to have faith in myself and my body. But also at the end of the day, like I finally realized that I had a choice. I could stay in that space and feel sorry for myself and you know what happened, or I could use it for, I could use my powers for goodness, you know? Yes. Yeah. <laughs> I, could, yes. I could use the experience to try to help other people. And when I made that intentional choice, I mean, that's really when everything changed. And of course I did so much work on myself in order to even get into the space where I recognized that I had the ability to make that choice. Oh my gosh, you're sharing so many great things. So I have this, I'm torn because I, I want to <laughs> go back and I want to talk about what matters most and how we maximize time. But there's also, you know, the piece around resilience that I think is important to talk about now, but let's Let's stay on that topic of, you know, making the most of what time you have with them. And, you know, I think so often it takes many of us, including myself, it wasn't until I lost my mom and my daughter went through a six-year addiction. And, you know, I shared that, you know, pretty frequently as well in my podcast is I was grieving her while she was alive. It was all happening at the same time. And I don't even know that I realized the physical piece that was occurring, but one thing I assured myself was that if if she ever did recover, that you know my greatest regret was that I didn't spend time with her, and I I could have been there and and really been a more meaningful part of her life if she were to get through it. And you know she's two years sober now, and of course I, I get to spend that time with her. But what would your messaging be for our listeners around really making the most of that time and and quality of time while you have it? I'm such a big believer in living intentionally. And that's something that all of my experiences have taught me. And, you know, that just means being aware that time really is our most precious commodity. And every day that we wake up, we get to choose how we're going to spend our time. We can pretend that we don't get to choose, but no matter what you have going on in your life, you actually are making choices in terms of where you're putting your time and, and your energy and who you're surrounding yourself with and what that looks like and, and all the things. And so I really try to have like a daily connection with my kids, you know, whether or not that's them, like my oldest is a junior in college. Hmm. If that's a, you know, 10, 15 minute FaceTime conversation or, you know, texting or something, or me sitting down and writing a letter to her, it's just, it's me really trying to connect with them as much as I possibly can every day, just in some meaningful way. Once you become aware that you have the ability to set that intention, it really does enhance your relationships so much. And I mean, that's a gift. That's a good positive takeaway from all of this. It, it really, it is. And it's unfortunate that it takes, I know for myself, so many to have something so drastic happen to bring that awareness. But I do, similar to you, believe that those are the gifts that are given to us to wake us up, 
to make us go, you need to make a conscious decision to do something different if it's in your relationship or just in your overall life. So, Yeah. You know, it's, it's interesting. And I write about this in my book. I didn't fully grasp that concept when I lost my mom when I was 28. And that could have kind of sparked me having that awareness, but it, it didn't actually. And I think it's because I was just in such struggle to get through all of this and just deal with it all. I wasn't able to see those lessons then. And so I I feel like me going through breast cancer really was like kind of such a wake up call in that regard. But also that experience really gave me the permission to live life on my own terms and kind of shed all the the other stuff that I, that really wasn't speaking to my heart that I didn't want to be doing that. I sort of leaned into what society dictates as success and let it let society kind of define that for myself and then got kind of caught up in all of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I many as many, many of us again, similar do. I you know I think it's, you know, I, I think what you went through having your daughter and your mom. I mean, obviously when you think about some, I think, what do they say? The five greatest stressors in life are, you know, having a child, getting married, losing a loved one, being sick. I mean, it's all of those things. And you were going through a few of those at the same time. So they kind of masked each other to a degree. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, Sure. So let's talk about resilience because I think one of the things that stands out or excites me, if you will, about your story is resiliency. And it's a buzzword right now because the entire country has gone through such a crazy time together. You know, it's not often everybody has their own unique stories and the and those adversity and overcoming challenges, but we've all kind of gone through it together. Do you think resilience is something that's learned or do you think it's innate? I think it's both. I think that there are definitely people that are just automatically super positive and their self-talk kind of pushes them into a space where they believe that they're going to be okay or they can conquer whatever life tosses their way. And they just really have that that trust and that positive self-talk to help kind of navigate them through whatever challenges they're they're facing. And then I think that when we go through hard times and we get to the other side, we start to kind of say to ourselves, okay, yeah, maybe I am strong. Okay, maybe I can do this. And practice makes perfect. But, (laughs) you know, I mean, you know, so I think there's kind of two things going at the same time. And I do know some incredibly resilient people that fit into the first category. And I'm always blown away by their strength. But for me, I don't think it was the first. I think I actually had to learn to rewrite some of my self-talk because I was not, not necessarily my biggest cheerleader in terms of the way I spoke to myself. And so I think resilience is a choice. I really do believe that, again, we all get to decide how we're going to get through whatever challenges we're facing. And that doesn't mean that we're not going to all have our moments. Look, during the pandemic, I haven't always been, you know, smiley, happy Dara. It's been challenging and I've had my moments, believe me, and it's scary. But, you know, again, I I just keep going back to that belief in ourselves that we can and do have the skills to navigate the challenges that life tosses our way and believing in ourselves and asking for help when we need it. Yeah. Yeah. Such a great point. 
you know, we, we do need to ask for help. I also think that we often end up in a spin and when you're in the spin, you don't see it. I mean, that's, you, you know, don't see it. You're, yeah. you're in it. So it, it, again, kind of blinding or disillusioning. But I think, you know, looking back at this past year, you don't want any circumstance to rob you of internal peace or those happy moments. And the ebb and flow of life is always going to be good times, bad times, good times, bad times, so that we have an opportunity to identify when they are good and bad. So it it is so challenging. And I appreciate your candor and your honesty about you can be a really positive person, be self-aware, but yet still end up in the spin or in a moment in time when you're uncertain. So, you know, I, I agree. I, I I think there's a little bit of me that personality wise, I was the girl that you just said no, and I would because you said no. So I don't know if that's defined as resiliency, but how I look at it through the lens of my life now is very different because I, I feel very gifted for my experiences where before I was just hell-bent on proving everybody wrong. (laughs) So very, very different. So let's transition to, and I know you mentioned the letters and I'm so excited um, for the podcast. I'm really identified February as Relationship Month. And, you know, I think it's such an incredibly cool story that you found this Ziploc bag of letters. So I'll, I'll let you share, but you know, I, I, any of those listeners that are out there lean in on this topic, cause this is just, honestly, people talk about miracles. Like this is a small miracle. So share this with our, with our Thank listeners. You. So when I was nine years old, I went to sleepaway camp for the first time. And after that summer, I of course received a lot of letters that summer and I came home and I had somehow miraculously saved them. And I had them in a Ziploc bag and I tossed the bag in my closet. But what happened was every summer after that, when I went to camp and every time someone gave me a Valentine's Day card or a birthday card or something, everything ended up in the Ziploc bag. And this went on until I graduated from college. And so what happened was I had this bag of over a hundred different letters that made its way to my adult home. And I had forgotten that I had this bag and I had never opened it up. And then thanks to a random sequence of events, I remembered that I had it. So one night I decided, okay, I'm ready to open the bag because I could not bring myself when I remembered that I had it to open it up because I was so afraid that it would trigger all of the sadness and the pain and the grief that I have worked so hard to sort of make peace with. And so one night I finally said to myself, you know what? I really was so curious about what what was in the bag. I opened it up. I sat on the couch. I cried what Oprah cries. The what Oprah says is the ugly cry and <laughs> you know, I was sobbing. And because I felt like I was having a conversation with my mom. I could hear her words. I could feel her personality and from my adult perspective because she passed away when I was 28, I never, you know, got to have a lot of those conversations with her about being a mom and raising kids. But when she wrote a lot of those letters, she was raising her kids. She was raising me. She was raising my brother. And so I really was able to kind of get a glimpse into her mind. And I got to know her better from these letters. And it was an unbelievable gift because there was so much wisdom in the letters. But it was almost kind of like a a little nudge of, Dara, life is so precious and so valuable. And you know, get back to the business of really living your life, let go of the sadness. I mean, 
that's really what was the biggest gift for me. And so a couple of weeks went by and I kept feeling like, you know, there's a book here, there's something here. And there's a table behind me, you can see it. There was the hundred letters were spread out all over this Mm -hmm. table. And I just couldn't stop reading them. And I couldn't stop, you know, hearing the words of my mom and my grandmother's. So finally, I just started writing and I was working on another project at the time. I just literally put that away and sat here, sobbed so many times. I would be writing and just sobbing, crying, and just like I was so honest and just sharing all of it in the book that, you know, people say they can really feel that. But I just, I, I didn't want to pretend anymore that I had, you know, navigated through all of it as perfectly as so many people thought I had, because a lot of times people didn't realize like how much the grief was still there and and, and all of those things. And so it was such a gift to me, but it also taught me the power of, of letters. And, you know, we can talk about that, but how to connect more to the people that you love and not waiting to say all the things. Yeah. So first I got chills. I'm such a firm believer in energy and me too. And, you know, and and if people, I mean, people call it different things. If it's prayer, if it's spirit, or what, however you relate it, I believe that those moments are our moms talking to us. Like they're they're you know they're letting us know that that they're that we're okay, that we're gonna be okay. Just because I can hear my mom even saying it now, you you're gonna be okay, Candice. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and and then it, it just. It gets there's meaning to it, and it ties everything together. So it's such a such a beautiful experience, and so unique. And I and I can feel your heartstrings as you know that's that was kind of your healing moment. That was that was it when does. again yeah. it doesn't go away. It doesn't mean you don't miss her, but your grief shifts into something different. So so beautiful. So I want you to say more about yeah. relationships and why you think letters are at the core of that. So the experience showed me that there, there are really three different kinds of letters, in my opinion. There's the just because letter, which is a letter that you write just because, because you're thinking about someone, you just want them to know that, you know, you're, you love them, you care, blah, blah, blah. Then there's the special occasion letter, which is, you know, a letter written maybe at a big birthday or a wedding or a christening or, you know, any of those big special occasions. And then there's the legacy letter. And that's a letter that, we write to be read upon our death. And the morning of my mom's funeral, my dad came into my room and he had, my mom had written a legacy letter to me and one to my brother and one to my dad. And, you know, that was such an incredible gift. And all of these letters were in that bag from all of the experiences from, from all of the time. Actually, the legacy letter wasn't in that bag. I don't know where that letter ended up, but I, of course, remembered exactly what it said. And, and I included that in the book. But it taught me that there's so much power in taking the time to sit down and write to the people that we love and care about and to let them know how we feel about them. Because me having these letters, I cannot tell you the positive impact that has had on my life and how meaningful it is to me to be able to hold a letter that my mom or my grandmothers wrote to me, see their handwriting, you know, know that they wrote it from their heart, that they were thinking about me, that they cared about me, that they're saying things that that they really wanted me to know. And we can really be intentional about building people up and letting them know how we feel in such a positive way through the written word. And 
I encourage everyone to really think about this. I mean, of course, in my book, I tell people how to write all of these different letters. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's not about being perfect. The letters don't, you know, your handwriting doesn't have to be perfect. Every word doesn't have to be spelled perfectly. I'm honestly a terrible speller, actually. <laughs> Thank goodness too. like spell check. Spell check. I'm with you. Um, yeah. But, um, you know, I write my daughter's letters, even just little sticky notes. My daughters do it to me. It's such a gift to like wake up and have a little sticky note on my mirror in the bathroom for my daughter boosting me up for the day. It, it feels so good to write the letters and it feels so good to receive the letters. So for anyone who is like thinking that they want to start this, just start, <laughs> you know, and especially right now we're all missing people so much. I mean, I haven't seen my dad and my family in so long. And I know so many of your listeners feel the same way, you know, write a letter to the people that you love and care about, let them know how you're feeling. And when they go to the mailbox and they get this, they're going to be so happy and it's going to bring them so much joy. I, they're going to call you. They're going to just say, you know, oh my gosh, you made my day. And I promise you, you will not regret it. It's such a unique time with technology because I think it's such an art we've lost because of email and text messages. And I have, I I mean, cards in my memory box or my special box, I have so many cards from different people, less letters, but, but just even going back and rereading the sentiment at the time and you know looking at cards from my mom and her handwriting those are the things that it's almost like you look at her handwriting and i can feel her emotion by seeing that exactly so, yeah. yeah you know i want to say about technology because you brought up a really good point but you know here's the thing i don't save the text messages that i get i don't save the emails that i get in fact i've received i remember my mom wrote a really meaningful letter to my husband and i when she was very ill and emailed it. And we never, we don't have the letter. It got lost. And and so at the end of the day, for me personally, like it's easier for me to save a handwritten letter or something that I receive in the mail, or even just print something out if it's meaningful and put it in a safe place. But you're right. There's nothing like seeing that, that handwriting because it really does connect you. You know that they held that piece of paper you know, and that they, that's a little kind of a little piece of their, of them. Yep. It's, a, it's a little bit more of a time commitment too. Cause I think about yeah. somebody sending me like an e-card, which is thoughtful and, and not everyone does that. So you should appreciate it when they do. <laughs> However, the difference of getting a handwritten card, it, it's just a different experience. So it's, you know, take your, your relationship up a notch by being thoughtful in, in, the written word. So I, I so appreciate that. It doesn't even have to be fancy. Like my husband will grab an index card and write a little note to me and, and leave it on my computer sometimes. And so you don't even have to live in separate places to be able to write <laughs> notes to people. So, yep. you know, just, just think about that. I, I think right now, especially we're all looking for any form of connection to have with any people that, that mean something to us. My husband the other day, I joke with him all the time, but he loves to be spontaneous. Mm -hmm. I open, I have a a little container I keep my sweetener in and I opened it and he'd put a post-it note in there that said, you're amazing. Oh my gosh. See, I love that. Yeah. And it's still, and it's still there. I'm like, don't, do not remove. (laughs) 
know it's part of my morning routine. So that is so beautiful. And that's exactly what we're talking about. And, you know, eventually you'll probably take it out, but I encourage you to keep it, you know, and and I keep all of my letters in one place, you know, after this whole experience, like I keep them all like little notes from my kids and my family and meaningful things, because that's such a gift at the end of the day. I have a lot of really nice things, but the bag of letters is one of my most prized possessions Mm -hmm. because they're, they're love letters from the people who loved me and cared about me. And there's nothing more meaningful than that. So incredibly thoughtful. All right. So my heart cup is full today. So thank you so much for that conversation. And hopefully everybody listening, your heart cup is full as well. I would like just to ask the question as we we start to kind of near the end of our, our conversation is you've shared a lot about just becoming much more aware in life and really what defines joy for you. So if you were to share with our listeners how you define happiness or success, what would that be? So I feel like for starters, happiness, I believe, is our human right. And I never really thought a lot about that as I was living my life. You know, I just knew that I wanted to be happy, but <laughs> I didn't really know like what that meant. But happiness is our human right, but it's also our responsibility to create our own happiness. And it's no one else's responsibility. And everyone has to define that for themselves, you know, what that means, what that looks like. And success really does go, I think it's their parallel because you get to choose what success means to you. And for over 20 years, you know, I was a financial advisor. I was successful. And I put that in quotes because, you know, on paper, I made a lot of money. I, you know, did all the things, but it wasn't speaking to my heart. It didn't fill me up. It, it wasn't, it didn't necessarily bring me the, the happiness and the joy that I found by doing something that really speaks to my heart. And so, we have the ability every day when we wake up to figure out, you know, again, we talked about this, what do I want to do with my time, but also like what is going to make me happy and fill me up and is meaningful. You know, I feel like finding a way to help others and feeling like you're contributing in a way that fills you up. For me, that is what makes me feel happy. And it's definitely also the connection with the people that I love the most. I mean, there's nothing more important to me than the relationships I have. And I am very intentional. And I guess it's because I've lost my mom, who was so incredibly important to me that I understand the value of the people in my life. And spending time with people that I love brings me so much happiness and joy. And and also just, you know, being in nature and taking a simple walk or, you know, having a hot cup of tea and writing in my journal and connecting to my thoughts. I mean, you know, there's so many simple pleasures, especially right now with the pandemic. I haven't eaten in a restaurant in almost a year, you know, I mean, I'm taking this very seriously. I'm, I I just don't take my health for granted and I would never want to do anything that could hurt anyone else's health. And so it's really the simple pleasures. Yeah. I well, we're kindred spirits as it relates to <laughs> to recognizing that happiness is success. Success is something that we're always trying to find versus something we already have. Time and health are a commodity. And so often those two things we take for granted, not recognizing that if you don't take care of both, that that they'll be taken from you. So, you know, such a great share. Any other advice you'd like to leave our listeners with today that we didn't cover? You know, I would say that 
if you're feeling in your heart that something's missing from your life and you're feeling like there's, there's more, you know, like sometimes I feel like we might hear that little voice in our heads kind of try to let us know that maybe we're not a hundred percent happy with the situation or that there's more, you know, be willing to kind of explore what that looks like for you. And we are all in charge of creating our own happiness and nobody can do it for us and nobody can take it away from us. And so we're all works in progress. I mean, you know, I, I work on myself every day and it's, I'm my favorite project, you know, (laughs) I mean, I love learning about myself and, and growing and challenging myself, but, you know, give yourself a little bit of love and, and listen to that little voice and, and figure out, you know, what is something that would make you happy and, and don't be afraid to, to explore it. You know, if there's something you've always wanted to do, figure out a way to make it happen instead of finding an excuse. (laughs) That's such fantastic advice. I'm my favorite project needs to either be a sticker or a (laughs) t-shirt. I don't think I've ever said that on a podcast. I don't know where that came from, but I actually really am my favorite project. And I think my kids would be happy about that because, you know, they like it when I'm not completely focused on them as my project. (laughs) You know, I I think more people need to say I'm my favorite project. You you need to to use that. (laughs) So it's such a great quote and advice. So thank you so much for joining us today. You guys can purchase Dar's book and learn more about these great topics she's sharing at her website at crazyperfectlife.com. Dar is also offering five free gifts with the purchase of her book. Would you like to share those details? On this? Yeah, sure. Um, so everyone can go to crazyperfectlife.com. That's my website to get my book. There's, it's also, of course, on Amazon and you know all the places. But on my website, I have five free gifts that I made during the pandemic because you know I had a lot of time. But they're sharing journals, which is a journal that I used to have with my daughters that you can print or you can use them with other people. And so you would write in it and then email it to someone or put it on someone's pillow and it can kind of go back and forth. And I talk a lot about that in my book. But then there's a happiness contract that you can actually have with yourself to commit to being happy and finding that for yourself a stationary template, information on the different kinds of letters, you know, just really heartfelt, meaningful things that were written from my heart because I had time. <laughs> oh, I love that. At the bottom <laughs> of the happiness contract, I'm my favorite project. <laughs> yes, I should. That's right. <laughs> it needs to go on that contract. That's fantastic and such great gifts. So again, you can purchase her books at crazyperfectlife.com. So until next time, success buddies. Subscribe and review this podcast on Apple or the podcast platform of your choice. And of course, a five-star review is always appreciated. Thank you for joining today's episode of Leaving Nowhere. Here's to you and you accelerating your life and career. 